one. Now, for those of you who are listening, this is episode 100 of the Last Set Podcast. And it's a special episode with a very special guest with one only, Courtney Martin. How are you doing? Yeah, good, good. I'm very honoured to be the uh, 100th episode guest. That's pretty sick. That's a, that's a big milestone. Thank you. Thank you. Well, because uh, obviously, you know, I am a bit, uh, uh, what I like to say is I'm a big advocate for the Perth fighters out there, uh, especially everything that you guys are doing in the Wolf's Den. You know, I've spoken to the Jukowski twins, spoken to Steve. I've spoken to a whole bunch of Perth fighters who are now going on to do great things. But the reason why I wouldn't have the episode 100 is because none that I've spoken to have achieved things that you have. Uh, which I gotta admit, you have an incredibly impressive resume for someone who's actually been in the fight game for such a quite actually quite a short period of time. So I would say this is the perfect fit for the 100 episode. So for that, I say thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm so excited to be on. Now let's just get right off the bat. Like you obviously have got the back big fight record in the amateurs all the way to making into pros, into fighting into one championship we'll talk about. But let's rewind the clocks uh, back a few years. Like, tell me, how did you how did you get involved in martial arts in the first place? Um, I was I was never like a martial arts kid. I was never an aggressive kid. I never like never got into fights uh, at all. I was that quiet, quiet kid that like played table so <laughs> martial arts was like a long way away from where I was like growing up but um I think it was it was like 20 2018 and I was working as a barista whilst uh, going to uni for nursing school and me and one of my best mates who were, uh, were working together and we we're just spitballing one day we we're just talking talking shit and she's like you know what gets like good money is like viral videos on YouTube of people like fighting each other. And like, I'm sure we could do something like that. We could, we could corner the market. We could start an underground fight club. And uh, she turns to me and she's like, you know, you want to fight me? I'm like, I've, I've never fought anyone in my life. I, I don't think I've ever even fought my brother. Like, um, what do you know about fighting? And she's like, I know nothing. So we Googled the closest fight club. I think that's literally, like, that's literally what we put into Google. We're like, Joondalup, fight club. And uh, Mac One came up. So that was what Wolves Den used to be in Joondalup before we rebranded. So uh, we went there. We did a few of the women's kickboxing classes. And I think maybe, like, three months in, we uh, rented the gym out for, like, a PT session and chucked on the big gloves and jumped into the ring. And I think we just spent, like, 30 minutes just running around from each other. I don't think I threw a shot. Like, I don't think she threw a shot. We're too scared to hit each other. Um, but eventually, you know, it took, took a few years, took a few years, a few classes, and here we are and I love fighting and it's great <laughs> wow like literally all that came from your friend saying Jindla Fight Club and then along came uh Wolf's Den oh wait no sorry Mac One uh Steve's has spoken to me about what where how it went from being Mac One to now the Wolf's Den and all uh so from that time period on which you were you know running around in the cage and all that how long was it between then and then when you had your first amateur career, sorry, amateur career fight? Oh, I think like my first fight was 
probably 20, 2018. So I started training end of 2014. Um, so it was four, four years of just kind of like not really taking it seriously, just mucking around at the gym. Um, started picking up a bit of jiu-jitsu, really fell in love with that and did a few uh, local tournaments. And then from there it was like, well, what next? And next it was, you know, MMA and jumping into a cage. So I think, yeah, my first fight was 2018. Um, it was for Path to Hex. We flew over to the Eastern States for it, me and Frank. Um, that was both of our debuts and we ended up coming out with a win, but honestly, I can't watch that footage. It's terrible. It was a, it was a bit of a shit show. It was like, just throwing overhands for three whole rounds and somehow I came out with a win. So yeah, <laughs> we've come a long way since then. That's totally understandable. Whenever I, um, well, the first time you ever do anything, you know, especially when it comes to first fight or first matchup, it's, you know, you're starting with no experience. So it's was something to dive into and, but to come out with a win, now that matchup was in uh, that was first official matchup. By the way, if I get these wrong, please correct me. Uh, first official matchup that was in 2018 uh, against Rebecca Sarah, and then from there you had your first big win against. Please don't butcher. I hope I don't butcher this name. Lisa Kiriko, which was uh, Kiriako, I think. Yeah, Kiriako, yeah, that was uh, that was probably my yeah biggest fight. Yeah, to, so to start off with, yeah. Because that one you won by TKO in the second round. So yeah. walk me through what was the game plan going into that fight? Um, look, I was still pretty fresh. Uh, I was still still like kind of getting a grip on on MMA. Um, so after my first fight, where really it was just throwing, throwing bombs and hoping for the best to actually, you know, working some techniques. So that that, uh, that fight, um, we'd worked a lot of wall pressure and we'd worked like the basics of, you know, um, using the cage and stuff like that. So I'm pretty sure I went in there uh, pretty much just wanting to wrestle, wanting to take it to the ground, wanting to um, use my jujitsu because uh, I'd been putting a lot of um, a lot of time and effort into that at that point. And it's like fight number two, you're still linking things up. Uh, MMA is so different to everything else. Like you don't just stand and trade. You don't just jump onto the ground and look for your submissions. It's like trying to find those connections in between. So I really wanted to um, try and make it a bit smoother transition between the two. So my game plan really was like, I didn't know what to expect from her. She didn't know what to expect from me. Let's just go in and do what I enjoy, which was like my cage work and my groundwork. So um, it was using a lot of, lot of wall pressure. And then I think I got it to the ground at the end of the first round. And then we, we ended up going to the second. And by that point I knew what I needed to do. So got to the ground and finished in TKO, but it was still such a surreal experience. Um, and I remember like thinking back, I, I was literally, I was just tapping her face. Like I didn't want to punch. I didn't want to like add any like viciousness into it. It was still like real new to me. So it ended up just being, I got into like a crucifix position and she just couldn't get out. Like I wasn't doing any damage or anything, um, but she just couldn't move. So uh, the ref ended up calling it. So that was my first, uh, first stoppage victory, which was really cool. Damn. And then from there also, of course, things started to steamroll a little bit. You know, you started to gain a little bit of momentum. You started to go on. And now just recently, uh, 
in just this year, you went over to one championship, which is a massive achievement on its own, <laughs> considering like between your first amateur fight was in 2018, three years later, go on to fight in one of the biggest organizations around the world against a big name against Colby Northcutt. Now, people can say what they like about the fight, like, you know, it's it's a big thing on its own to get there, to be in such a big organization. Can you walk me through what it was like, the experience of fighting in one championship? Probably oh, been man. told this a hundred times. Yeah, <laughs> just, it was so surreal. Like going, 2020 was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster for everyone. And I, I get that. But like, we've gone from such a big high at the beginning of 2020 in March, like signing the contract to go to one, to all of a sudden nothing. Like, going over a year without doing anything and I'd been such like um I'd been on such a like drive to get as much experience as possible before then like I'd done my 14 fights over a year and a half so I'd really pushed to like go from fight camp to fight camp to all of a sudden nothing um so <laughs> you go from your highs to your lows to high to low. like your mind's just everywhere not doing anything and then eventually something comes up so we uh, actually got offered a, a fight in October of 2020 um and we had to turn it down because we couldn't get out of the country which was really disappointing because you know that was my my first uh offer and I was looking forward to that moment so much and then to have to give it up sucked but we uh kept going and if that time away showed me anything, it just showed me that I needed to be consistent with training and with diet and stay on top of my weight and like stay on top of my fitness. Cause then Colby came up and we were, we were given basically two weeks notice that we we're going to fly out. So uh, we flew out a week before. So literally like a two week notice fight. Uh, then we had a week over in Singapore, which really you, you can't do much in terms of like training. You can't have sparring partners over there. It's just me and your coach. And we made the most of it. We were like training twice a day um, in the lead up. I was really fortunate. We went up a weight division. So I was actually underweight at that point. So um, weight cutting wasn't an issue. It wasn't something I had to worry about. So we were able to make the most of those training times that we had over there because it was literally 45 minute slots in the morning, 45 minute slots in the afternoon. And that was it. Um, so we're underweight. We had like three weeks notice. She's such a big name. Um, but honestly, the experience in itself, it was something that I was not going to turn down. It was not like, it was never a thought that we would decline it. It was like, yeah, let's do this. Let's make the most of it. We got to, got to get this train on the road kind of thing. And to get such a big name, like was massive exposure as well um anyway like it, it ended up not going the way I wanted it to um obviously didn't get the win but it showed me that I was meant to be there there were like there's always lots of doubts when you're you're transitioning from amateur to pro so there was always going to be those like negative thoughts that like maybe I'm not ready for this but if anything that fight showed me that yeah I'm meant to be there I'm ready for that and Hopefully we get another fight soon and can, you know, show a little bit more. Agreed, agreed. Because uh, from what I'm hearing, two weeks notice, flew out to Singapore week four, upper weight division. This is like, when it comes to fights, like you obviously, you know, they say perfect prep, so the same goes perfect uh, preparation prevents piss poor performance. 
And then, you know, photos were all about fight camps, you know, but it takes so much guts just to actually just take a fight on such short notice when, again, it's your pro and where you don't want to, you know, where the risks are against you and the odds are also against you and the risks are so high. Again, like you said, it's an achievement on its own, but I'm very happy that you found, like, this is what you were meant to be doing, this is what you meant to, this is your calling. Now, earlier on, I uh, hope, like, you mentioned are you, that you're working as a you you were working as a barista, and you know to go from that to fighting on the world stage is is a huge jump. So you know, like the saying goes, there's no losing, only lessons. Uh, so for you personally, what was like the biggest lesson that you took away from that fight against Colby? You just got to kind of relax a little bit, like the atmosphere going into it, the hype, the like the ramp, the lead up, the everything about that fight, like obviously being my first time in there, the adrenaline just hits you like a train, like the I've never experienced anything like it. It doesn't matter how much like my amateur career prepared me for it. Being on that stage is like a whole different level. So I think the main thing I took from it is to just like take a few breaths, just relax and just ease into it. I like, I went out there guns blazing. I went out there like full of energy wanting this like super driven, which isn't a bad thing. But when that cage door closes, you've got to be able to like, calm down slightly like reel it in and uh be able to stay composed throughout so i think it was just a matter of rushing rushing things a little bit um so yeah that was that was the main takeaway is that next time like i'm prepared i know what i need to do and just like stay composed don't rush and things will things will work out of course understood now between 2019 and 2021 you know we had the pandemic that is still going on and it's obviously been a massive challenge for everyone and there's no denying how hard it was but personally I always ask this for every fighter because like with fight fighters that I speak to you know they are very they live incredibly active lifestyles who are training constantly at the gym and then they go and some of them work their nine to fives or work on their brands or their businesses personally I always like to ask you know because the pandemic was such a big test for everyone what were you doing to like adapt to the situation? I've had to learn a lot over the last uh, year and a half. And honestly, it's been a real like eye opener. Um, I went from fight camp to fight camp and in between those fight camps, I blow out. Like I'd be on such a strict diet. I'd be on such a strict training program that as soon as that fight was done, I'd be at the burger joint. I'd be at the donut shop. I'd be anywhere to get anything that, you know, like I couldn't have. And in between I'd put on like 10 kilos and then, you know, a week, two weeks later, you'd have to start dropping it all. And that took a big toll on my body. Like I know a lot of fighters have gone through the same thing. So um, having 2020, having to be still, having to not go through those big roller coasters of like blowouts and then, cutting it and then going to blowouts again um having to just be complacent and continuous with your training and with your diet it's been hard but it's probably been the best lesson that I've been able to go through as an athlete like I'm not having my blowouts anymore I'm not having to do 10 kilo weight cuts um I'm pretty much like a few kilos off fight weight at all times which I never actually thought was an option like if you had asked me in 
2019, I would have been like, there's no way I could sit continuously like two, three kilos off my fight weight. Like that's impossible. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm not strict as like super, super strict as I used to have to be, but because I'm just continuously like trying to um, keep at it, it's just worked out really well. Like my body's adapted and it means I don't have to go through insane weight cuts anymore, which I am so happy not to do. Honestly, it's like the best thing. Ten kilo, like that's good. That's good that you put it that way because ten kilos—that's huge. I mean, we had fight dietitians on the podcast before, and nutritionists uh, on the podcast before, and they're like, "Yo, that's a, it's a big jump." Like, how did you manage to lose ten kilos of uh, body weight before the before the fight? Oh, you just do it. Like, I think it was an eternal that I took on short notice. Um, I think we had four weeks and I had four weeks to lose about, I think it was eight to 10 kilos. And I did it. It was horrific. Um, and I felt like shit in my fight. Like I refueled as best as I could, but because I'd done such a harsh weight cut, you, you could just feel it. You could feel it in your performance. And um, during the weight cut, you know, like you just feel like death. <laughs> it sucks. Like, and you're doing it as safely as you possibly can. And you just got to do it. You just got to make it or else, you know, you don't fight. It's just what you did. And I'm really glad that I'm out of the mindset of that is the normal. It's like, it's not normal anymore. If you can choose either a higher weight or start sitting lower, it's so much better for you. Wow. So just saying for the one that you should, you took on short notice, was that against Lisa, Rhiannon, or Pippa? Which one was it? Uh, Pippa. Pippa, ah, yeah. Pippa. So how short notice was it? Off the top of my head, I think it was three three or four weeks. And I think the fourth week was a bit like maybe it's on, maybe it's off kind of thing. Um, and, okay. yeah, I remember sitting heavier than I wanted to. And then the, the fight came up and it was like, well, I guess we just got to do this. And I think – it got to the point where I'd cut five kilos and we were about 10 days out and I had another five to go. And I can like, I've done it before doing the five kilos, 10 day out protocol kind of thing, but it just, it sucks. It drains it out of you. It's not, not fun at all. And now I'm seeing like all of the time and effort that I put into weight cutting, like all of the extra running, all of the extra like cardio, long steady state sessions that you do to cut that weight. Like, I can now use that time more wisely. I can use that on my recovery or I can use that working my technique or I can just, I can use that time better because I don't have to do it. Like I don't have to add those extra things in to cut weight anymore. So if you don't mind me asking like uh, your, what is it? So you fight at, what is it? Roughly uh, bantamweight, which is like roughly 121 uh, pounds. Is that correct? I am terrible with pounds. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, so my, my, I think in one championship, they call it straw weight, uh, which is 57 kilos or in like any other promotion, it's flyweight. Um, but the last fight against Colby, because we went up a weight division, it went up to Bantam. So that was the 60 kilo division. Okay. That makes sense. That was just one thing I had to clear up on because when it comes to, uh, especially guys, people in Perth and Australia as well, like, when it comes to finding information about fighters, i got to go through all these like websites and sometimes these websites get it wrong and that's not, that doesn't do its justice, but then again, there's so many to cater for, but in the past, yeah. when, when you get the stuff wrong, like, it's 
It's kind of embarrassing on my side, my side of the fence. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on from there. So now that this has all happened, this sunk in since your last fight, uh, is there any plans that you're uh, hoping to uh, make for the rest of this year? I know I understand that we're in September. We've only got like, you know, a few months that run the last quarter of the year. I'm aware that you're going to be uh, competing in Kumite in, is it, when is it? Is it in a couple of weeks? Yeah, two weeks now, I think, or oh, 15 days. Uh, yeah, 25th of September, we've got that matchup. So that's uh, super exciting. Um, it's against Hannah Gaffney of Mitsudomo. Hannah's been in the game longer than I've been in the game. I think she was she was blue belt when I first put my feet on the mats. Um, so she's she's insanely experienced. She's going to be a tough opponent, um, but I'm so excited to be able to, like, step up and give it a go and just see where we're kind of sitting at in terms of like uh, grappling experience and technique. It'll be, um, it'll be sick. I really look forward to it. It should be a fun match. Mm. Will this be your first uh, Kumite match? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't, um, haven't done one of these before. I've done a fair few of the like jujitsu tournaments around the place um, under SGT and the um, AFBJJ, but I haven't done any of these like uh, super grappling fights. So pretty excited about it i'm definitely aware because what is it personally when it comes to uh perth like the sgt is the one to usually go to of course you know they got the white belt competitions usually come out of the ammo but you personally i believe you're a blue belt now aren't you yeah yeah, yeah. and uh we've also now got the introduction of battleground invitational which i'm super super happy with that because the amount of like the BJJ culture in Perth is a lot bigger than I thought it was. And we've got competitions like all year round, from all these different organizations. Uh, so now that we're heading into the like last section of the year, we're focusing on BJJ. Is there anything also in the works right now in terms of uh, fighting? I mean, uh, we have an eternal event coming up on October the 18th, I believe. Is there anything yeah. that you have right now in the works or anything that you're aware of or is there anyone in particular you would like to fight? Um, basically, we're just waiting for the call-up from one championship. Like, similar to last time, we never know. Like, we might get a two-week notice fight again. So it's pretty much just staying on weight, staying on fitness and just being prepared. Um, I would love to have another fight before the end of the year. That would just make my year honestly um i can't wait to get back over there and, and do my thing again um but in the meantime uh who knows i might jump onto some pro boxing if we can get a match that would be pretty sick um we've got my name down so if there's any any girls that kind of pop up and are willing to take it i'd love to try my hand at some some boxing um however i am going to be a guest commentator on the domination mma event next weekend so anyone that's listening is going to be down there i'll be uh, behind the desk oh wow awesome shout out to domination uh, mma and all that now uh that is is that a perf um yeah it's weird i've never heard of those guys before it's uh it's their first uh first promotion so domination do muay thai promotions and they're now making their way into mma so it's going to be a a pretty sick little um little fight night so that's why i've never heard of it and all that oh well because <laughs> uh, i'm pretty you 
these days, I do a lot of research. I'm trying to stay on top of the game, you know, and understand the organizations, but dominations, I don't know. Oh my God, how'd that slip through the cracks? But either way, <laughs> is, is this going to be your first ever commentating gig? Yeah, sure is. I am a lot more nervous than I thought I'd be. I kind of, my plan so far is to just watch dodgeball on repeat the night before, and I feel like I should be fine. <laughs> oh, what's uh, so like, what's your connection to that movie then? Uh, Oh, this just got the best commentating references. <laughs> True. That I remember watching that movie. That was pretty that was pretty funny. Uh, was <laughs> um what what were their names? Cotton something. Cotton oh. and, and pepper, I'm pretty sure. That's it, yeah. And then I I'll never forget that time where it's just like, I don't know, it all these years of sports commentating. I thought I was sitting on, but it seems he's trying to blindfold himself and then one guy goes yeah he won't be able to see that well tom <laughs> he just looks at him like, exactly it's gold i think i feel like it's all gonna be relevant <laughs> oh that's good that's good to hear. at least you got some form of preparation going into where i put that uh so so what, let me ask you, is, is this commentating something you're hoping you would like to get into or is it something you got asked to do it did you say um, I actually got asked to do it. Uh, one of the, the ladies that's putting on Domination MMA, um, she gave me a call uh, and she was like, hey, uh, we'd like to have a female on and you're probably one of the um, most experienced MMA females in Perth. So let's see how we do. So I'm really excited about it. So thanks, Jasmine. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's look, it's not something that I probably would have put my name down for, but we'll see how it goes. And if it goes okay, then yeah, I'd love to keep keep doing it. Awesome. Shout out to Jasmine. Shout out to Jasmine. And the next next thing uh also gotta ask you is one thing I love the most about fighters is they're very planned people. Uh, you know, they break everything down, they set their goals, they're always constantly about what they want to do, they're always focusing on what's next. Now, if, if it's in short, can you just run me through what's like a typical week like for you in your life? Um, so typical week, pretty much Monday to Friday's training. So I get my morning sessions in generally my SNC. Uh, lunchtime, Tuesday and Thursday, I've been doing my uh, jiu-jitsu gi classes. And then every afternoon, pretty much I'm at the gym. So um, Thursdays is my late night one. I take my uh, women 730 bjj class i get to teach that one so that's pretty cool um apart from that i'm yeah basically there every day i work saturday and sunday night at uh fiona stanley one of our local hospitals i'm an ed nurse um there so saturday sunday nights i work but it means that i can do my sparring and training saturday morning and then sunday is pretty much my rest day wow so you mentioned that you were studying nursing so you, you finished that degree didn't you yeah, yeah. But now you're, and is you a registered or an enrolled nurse? If I'm registered nurse, yeah. Yeah, I always get mixed up between the two because there's multiple hierarchies to being a nurse, you know. So that's that's yeah. the one. Uh, so what type of nurse did you say you were as a registered nurse? Working emergency. Emergency. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah. What's what's that job situation like? <laughs> I was pretty crazy. Um, I've been there seven years now. Um, so I've gone from a full-time contract when I was first starting out with training to switching to a casual contract um, when I've started to take training a bit more seriously. 
Um, and then I've switched from that to just doing night shifts. So I've been super lucky that I've had a place that accepts my timetable pretty much. So just working the weekend night shifts is enough to kind of get me by. Um, and then it frees up my whole week. So that's pretty much my priority is to, to keep on training. Wow. Working as a nurse, working full-time as a fire, training full-time as a fighter. And then what the, honestly, that's, that sounds like an insane schedule. Like what's the night shift? Like what, what is the hours of the night shift? We work uh, 9 p.m. to 7.30 in the morning. Um, oh my lord! So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I've been doing night shift now for three three years, going on three years just night shift. So I'm kind of used to it. Oh my goodness! Like, doesn't how does you how do you like adapt to that something like that? Like, because you know, uh, for me, like when I'm talking to fighters, they always like, "What's your favorite form of recovery?" And they say sleep, and you need it <laughs> because your body's like constantly being broken down. How do you make that transition between? you know, training Monday to Friday, like, like the hot, some of the hardest training you got, and then you've got to go and work the night shift. Like, do you take Saturday mornings off or what's, what's the plan? I'll pretty much train Saturday mornings. And then by lunchtime, I'm in bed. So then I sleep for like five, four or five hours, get a bit of a nap in. And then Sundays is basically a write-off. So I spend all day in bed Sunday. But then by the time it comes around Monday, I'll, uh, I'll train and I'll sleep a little bit and I'll train again. And then by that night, I'm pretty much exhausted. So I sleep pretty well. Oh, okay. Um, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, <laughs> oh, so- it's, been, it's been fine-tuned over the years. So I've, I've eventually gotten to the point where, you know, I recover pretty well. Wow. So how are you – so, so you, how long did you say you worked as a registered nurse for again? A few years? Seven years. Seven Seven years. So how did you balance like the, all that fighting and all that study and studying? Like what would happen when you would have a fight coming up? Would you adjust your work hours to meet the camp or now nah, just go balls to the wall? Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, when I first started, when I first started competing and, and really taking it all seriously, it was just balls to the wall. I don't think I was sleeping. I don't think I was recovering. It was just do as much as possible and definitely was overtraining. Um, I was in the mindset that the more hours you put in, the more you're going to achieve when really you get to the point where you learn a little bit more as you go and you're like, that's not actually true. It's not about the amount of hours. It's about the intensity of the hours that you do put in and making sure you recover. So recovery has been like a real journey (laughs) for me. Um, And it's gotten to the point where, like like I said, I've fine-tuned it so that I am able to have a work schedule that works around my training um but yeah when I first started it was crazy like I reckon I would sleep more than like four hours a night and I'd train like as much as possible on top of work but you just learn as you go you learn wow I mean four hours a night that's that's rough and all day but you're definitely right about uh what's it called yeah not about the hours it's the intensity of the hours because as you know a person i'm I'm myself a strength coach at the ufc gym one thing i'm always telling people to do is make sure you understand what your mrv is which is maximum recoverable volume so when you're training making sure you're staying within the limits of what you know you can recover from like Personally, some guys are like absolute nuts and they can just like do an amount of set, the same amount of sessions a week. But some people find out that when they do less sessions, the sessions are more beneficial for themselves. Um, usually, uh, but to get to get there, 
you kind of got to go through a trial and error process, like um, find out really how much it is and then loop back, back, back up a little bit, you know, and then like the saying goes, sometimes, you know, less, less is more and all that. So that's a fair, that's a definitely a fair point to make. Now, do you have like a set plan of how you, I well, know you've already explained that, but uh, do you have like a set plan of what you're hoping to do in the next uh, couple of years? Like, do you just, uh, so in the next few years, are you trying to get move more into the uh, one championship branch or you're hoping to establish yourself more around in Australia? Like, is there anywhere, like any pathway in particular you're trying to go to, or are you just open to anything right now? So I'm pretty strict with like what I can and can't do. So with my contract with one, I'm pretty much exclusively fighting with them. Um, so my contract states that we've got six fights over a certain period of time and due to COVID, they've extended it another six months, but we're still limited for for how long we've got left on that um so my plan over the next year or so is literally just anything they offer me i'm taking and trying to get over there to fight as much as possible um depending on the outcome whatever happens if the the contract finishes or like doesn't get reinstated at the end i'd definitely be looking to to restart in the australian scene and um just see where that takes me but hopefully if we get enough fights on one and they're successful enough and make a big enough name, then we should see where that takes us. But yeah, just, just waiting for the call pretty much. Yeah. That makes sense. Now six fights is, that's a lot, you know, especially on what, uh, especially in a massive stages, such as one champion uh, ship. Uh, is there anyone in particular right now that you might have your eyes on or that you'd be most interested in or most like happy to fight? Uh, there's, there's a few girls in the weight division that I'd love to fight. Um, I'm not going to name any names just yet. I don't want to drinks it because uh, last thing I want is for anything to fall through. But, uh, yeah, there's a few girls that I am just itching to get over there and to give it a go with. Um, so that's super exciting. But we'll wait and see if they're able to actually uh, make that happen. Um, but, yeah, you just, just got to wait and see, unfortunately. It's just a bit of a bit of a game like that. Just got to be patient and got to keep going. Oh, understood. Understood. Now, again, we're not naming names, but just to clarify, are they all within the uh, weight division that you're competing in right now, or are they are they in any different divisions? Are you hoping to move up? Hoping to bump down? I really want to get into my own weight division. So at the straw weight of 57, that's where I belong. Like when I weighed in with Colby, I weighed in at 58 kilos and that was hydrated and that was fed the day of. So she obviously weighed in at, at the weight that we agreed upon, which was like 60 to 61. Um, but where I was at, I was able to weigh in under. So I definitely belong in the 57 division. Um, so the girls that I'm looking at are all in that, that kind of weight division. They're not above. So I'd be pretty happy to to get get into where the like the division that i belong in you know yeah because the other thing that a lot of uh we've had a couple of one fighters on before and they tell me about the uh the one championship and how well they actually look up their fighters with the hydration tests and that way you're not you're fighting again at a natural way you're not like absolutely like exhausting yourself 
or distribute hydrating yourself. So come on game day, you're actually in a very good uh, spot mentally, but they've also, so physically. They also tell me that it helps them out heaps mentally. Like when you're going through those massive weight cuts, you're dropping all that water weight, you know, you're losing like fluid. Some guys lose, I've had a nutritionist on the podcast before talking about when they go for extreme weight cuts, they're losing fluid from the kidneys, they're losing fluid from the brain. And that's how we lead to more things like concussions when they get knocked out because there's less fluid in the brain. Like 24 hours between weighing in at five, you lose a dramatic amount of water weight. It's not enough time to rehydrate because the brain doesn't rehydrate as quickly as your muscles do, not even just the kidneys. So again, with the uh, one championship hydration test, it's just honestly, from, based on from what I've heard, they got things to like really, really na- nailed down. Uh, and then again, that's just the usually I believe is the way to go. Uh, now, moving on from that, that was just one thing I wanted to add in. But uh, uh, during your fight camps, obviously, you know, you're going through a whole bunch of things. You're going through a whole bunch of different techniques and, you know, disciplines and training. And you've got all these great people around you. Let's talk about a couple of things on the outside, you know, like obviously we've touched a little bit of base on like recovery, you know, the importance of sleep. Is there anything in particular that you do as well for recovery? Like, do you take any kind of supplements? Do you have any other methods or techniques that you do? Um, It's really kind of been a trial and error along the way of what works best. And uh, I've got an SNC coach who's really helped me along the way. Um, he's been my coach for years now and he's drilled into my brain the hierarchy of recoveries. Like obviously sleep is number one. Um, like we've touched upon, sleep is number one. That's the the main thing. There's no point going, spending an extra half an hour in a sauna to try and recover when you could have just spent that half an hour in bed sleeping. So um, making sure that I get enough sleep and that my nutrition is on point. So that's number two is just making sure that I'm eating um, enough calories and enough good foods that I'm getting all of my nutritional values. And I've got a nutrition coach that looks after me in that regard as well. So, um, my first two points, obviously, uh, that I need to focus on are my sleep and my nutrition. After that, I can add the supplemental recovery things like extra sauna work, extra stretching work, like getting massages, um, having salt baths, um, having ice baths. So I'll try and have like at least one salt bath a week and one ice bath a week, depending on how I'm feeling and my body's recovering. And we've been really lucky that our gym's just gotten uh, one of the ultraviolet saunas. So I've got that to utilize as well. But like I said, main priority is sleep. And I haven't helped myself in that regard just doing night shift. But like I touched upon, it's figuring out a routine and a timetable where I can add the night shifts in that doesn't kind of impede my sleep too much. So, so much trial and error, but we've finally got there. Wow. Did Steve install an ultraviolet uh, sauna into the gym? Yeah. Well done. That's a big shout out because like, uh, believe it or not, uh, when it comes to certain gyms, like to say, you, oh yeah, my gym's got a sauna, uh, they actually are more likely to attract more customers to it because people would just love to use those things. Personally, myself, yeah. I've used them quite a few times at one of the gyms around here in Perth. And they do definitely help. Uh, also, I feel like there's definitely been some studies about how they can improve performance because uh, it creates a bit, I believe, a what I've been told in my time in university, it creates a better heat tolerance. Like 
when you know when we're working extremely hard you know your body temperature rises and then you know that's to adapt usually your body can uh, over time adapt to that by doing this like heat tolerance training uh also so who who's your new uh, nutrition coach by the way uh, I use Daniel England. Uh, he runs a gym out here called Team Ecto. Um, he generally looks after a lot of bodybuilders and um, those sorts of athletes. But I've been with him for, I think, close to four years now. Um, initially, it was just weight cutting scared the crap out of me. And I had no idea what to do with my nutrition in terms to drop weight. So I tried to do it the first time around by myself. And honestly, I lost so much sleep over it. I was just overthinking and stressing, wondering whether I was getting enough of everything or not enough, or have I done the right thing? Have I given myself enough protein? Am I having enough carbs? It's just, it was too much. So I think by my second fight, I went out and had a look for a nutrition coach and um, he was around the corner from me um, when I met up with him and I've been with him ever since. He's really looked out for me. Oh, wow. That's brilliant to hear. Good, good for him. All right. And shout out to the nutrition coach. And also the next thing I'd like to touch base on, I'd like to ask everyone this because it also runs back for all my episodes, but because I am, you know, I'm mainly a strength coach, my basis in nutrition is very, it's very minor. It's something I'm studying right now. Uh, but because I am a strength coach, I also like, oh, I take a lot of uh, fascination into combat sports. Do you do any like form of like strength conditioning at the uh, Wolves Den or... Yeah, what do you do? So uh, Wolfstand has its own SNC classes. I don't generally do those. Um, I've been training under Michael Bell from Flow Performance for the last maybe four or five years as well. Um, he's basically making me programs every week. He touches in every three weeks, um, make sure that we're going okay. And then uh, he'll have like a big chat with myself and he's quite friends, like close friends with Steve as well. So we'll have a big coaches meeting and be like, okay, this is where I'm lacking at the moment in terms of my sparring. Uh, is my, my fitness up there? Is my strength up there? Where am I kind of um, going wrong? Uh, and he's able to kind of uh, taper my programs depending on that. So uh, at some points during my camp, um, generally closer to fight week, we'll look at like lactic threshold work um, or else we'll just look at kind of overall general fitness, making sure like our cardio is up there as well as our strength. And then if there's any deficits in terms of like, is one better than the other? Does the other need to be brought up a little bit? We'll work, work that as well. So um, yeah, Michael Bell, he's amazing. He's really been um, a godsend. He's helped me so much. So awesome. And so that's well, what I always tell everyone when it comes to, fighting as well is the people behind you uh i've said this on numerous podcasts like and the fighters always reflect back on it saying that they're never on their own no one's ever on their own they've got a whole bunch of people constantly working around them and i really like what steve's doing in the wolf stand because he's always talked about in the last podcast of that pack mentality uh there's just people have that energy where you know they are all about working together in a team. And if you work in a team, you're more likely to succeed. You know, I'm pretty sure I spoke with him about, uh, spoke with him on the last podcast that we did saying, you know, your network is your net worth. Um, now we've spent a good deal of this podcast where you were telling me about, you know, your nutritionist, your coaches, your, uh, was it diet, uh, 
strength conditioning coaches as well. Is there anyone out there who you believe would at least attribute to your success that you know deserves right now to be mentioned? Um, it's mainly just Steve. Steve's believed in me from day one when I didn't. Like, I just wanted to have a bit of fun and see what had happened. Like, I think I told him along the way, I was like, this is cool. Let's just keep doing this. Like, let's just keep taking fights. And he's like, well, where do you want to get to? Where do you want to make it to? Do you want to make it to the USC? Do you want to make it to Bellator? Like, what's your goal? And I was just like, I don't have a goal. I just want to keep going. Like, I just want to see where this takes me. I'm not thinking about the future in terms of like five years, 10 years. I'm like very now orientated, present orientated. I just enjoy having fun in the moment and like challenging myself. But he's always thought two steps ahead. He's always believed that I could make it to this point. Even when I was like, you're crazy. That's ridiculous. So it's mainly just Steve. Steve's just been incredible to get me to this point and to believe in me and to make me believe in myself uh, that is a very very well well way to put it um he's definitely been uh, when i spoke to the other fighters and all that they he's definitely been something of like you know a father figure for the young talent uh and i think it's just because he's done the miles you know what i mean like he was telling me all about those injuries that he's had and you know, the training he used to do and the fights he self had. It's just, I feel like it just comes with that experience. And then he just sort of knows what he sees in everything. Um, now, this is just heading up to that last last five minutes because I do need to get ready for my coach now as well. Uh, but uh, obviously, you know, very special. This is it. This is a 100 episode. We finally made that hit. I finally, we finally hit that milestone. If my uh, my audience would love to stay in touch with you, love to follow you, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle's caught in the cage. Uh, I also have a Facebook um, athlete page. Um, it's Courtney No Mercy Martin. Uh, that nickname was given to me by Steve and it stuck. So uh, we kind of just accept it um so i've got that um or just hit up my personal page which is just courtney martin at facebook awesome all right no problem uh now send me those links i also put them in the description so they can find you uh now firstly one last thing before we uh, before we finish up uh is there anything oh, sorry uh, is there anything Lastly, that you want to give a shout out to any sponsors, family, friends, anything in general? Uh, look, don't have any sponsors at the moment. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to uh, jump on board, let me know. Uh, but yeah, shout out to, you know, my family and friends. I live with uh, one of my best friends, Ben Cant, who's a fighter and he helps mentor me and uh, mentally get prepared for a lot of fights, which is amazing. Um, and also my girlfriend, Michaela, she's so supportive and absolutely loves this journey that I'm on and helps me as much as she possibly can. And just to all the teammates out there at Wolves Den and the, um, the other guys around Perth scene that come and help me out when I need to prepare for fights, everything is appreciated. And I just love the support from the scene at the moment. Awesome. Very well put. Uh, okay. Thank you, Courtney. That was the end of the time that we have for you today. I appreciate the hell out of you for coming on and absolutely all the best in Kumai in a couple of weeks and hopefully you get a fight before the year's through and hope to see you you on the grand stage. Thank you very much for joining us. All 
Thank you. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Take care of yourself, Courtney. Okay, see ya. <laughs>